Hi, it's Brent Pope here with Strong with Sport. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a uh, rugby legend in with me today, just talking about uh, life after rugby or life during rugby. I just want this to be a kind of casual chat about, not necessarily about uh, games or any performance coming up, just about life outside of rugby. And I think I asked the first question to George, uh, for a start, I mean, obviously Rob Carney. Um, how long were you with Ireland? 16 years, was it? 15, 15 years Ireland, 15 17 years, Leinster. 17 Leinster, 230-odd caps for Leinster, 95 caps for, for, for Ireland, and you probably skipped a year after injury, so that could have been well over 100. Um, European Player of the Year, I think 2012, two Lions tours, heaps of medals in your back pocket right through schools, underage, rugby and everything like that. You've done it all. But the question I asked George is, for a start, and I'm going to answer it before you answer it. Tell me something that most people wouldn't know about you. And what I found out was that you're uh, Joe Biden's um, seventh cousin, and he's actually been in contact, and you've been to the White House. Yeah, uh, wow. um, amazing piece of, piece of stat finding there. Yeah, uh, he he was over in Ireland 2016. He was going back through his family heritage and. Is your mother's side or your father's side? Father's side. Father's side. Yeah. yeah, and so we met him in 2016 when he was over, and then myself and Dave went to visit him in the White House the following what summer. Was that like? oh, it was awesome. Gave us a full tour around the place. Uh, we got to see the Situation Room. We didn't step into <laughs> it now. Uh, we were Is that in, when they pulled the big that's when arm they, again? That's when oh. they hit the big red button. Oh, fantastic. That yeah, was so it was an amazing experience. Yeah, very cool experience. It's, it's, a, it's a real nice connection to have. But as you well know, the, the Americans love their Irish connection oh, as it. much as we love being connected to them. Yeah. Oh, I know, that's what I mean, they all, you know, when you're over there, as I've been over the time, they're always, oh my God, I am Irish, you know, do you know the O'Malley's or something? I was like, how do I know, you know, how do you know? I know every taxi driver experiences that when they come over that, you know, because Ireland's so small to them, they just think that you must know, you know, somebody, somebody or something like that. Yeah. So, and also, I, I, I heard he sent, uh, he sent a number of video messages or something, he sent one over when, when uh, Ireland, uh, one last time I remember seeing that, I think on YouTube or something, they were sitting on the couch and calling Ireland or something. Yeah, he called the team room. Uh, they were staying in the Shelburne Hotel and after the victory, he called, dialed in to them and had a video chat congratulating them on their victory. So it's, it's definitely something that he's very proud of, his Irish yeah. connection. And, you know, it's great for this country. The other question I asked George, and apart from somebody that's living, obviously, uh, Jess and uh, parents and businesses, what would be the first thing you'd rescue from your house? What's the first Not thing? Not a pet or, or, or a human being. Like, you had to go in and, and, and grab something that meant something to you in your life. What would it be? Um, it's a good question. Like, you know, I've got all my medals at home, but they're not really. It's, yeah. it's the memories that you made to get them. I think in 2009, we played our Grand, Sl Grand Slam game in Cardiff, and we got supporters names on the back of our jersey yeah. and the the week of the game the people organizing uh, the jerseys asked me was there any in particular who i wanted to put on the jersey and i put my brother's ross name who passed away yeah. in 1990 he yeah. was six i was three and his name was the first name on my jersey so that's probably something that is is very sentimental to me mm. um and that would certainly be top of the list of things that no, i that's take. lovely 
because so many people often say, oh, you know, the, the first cap or something like that. And when you, when you drill down, no, it's often maybe a photograph or something of their parents or something and it's your, it's your memory of your, of your brother, which is, you know, you've spoken about. Uh, it's wonderful. Oh, I just wanted to think that I call you Rob. I don't call you Robbie like you're getting on Virgin. On Virgin, yeah. So I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting Rob, I'm getting Bobby, I'm getting Bob, <laughs> Robbie and Robert all in the space yeah. of the last week. Well, I thought somebody was watching, we were watching this day with, uh, last weekend with friends or something and, and someone said, why does, is Matt Williams calling him Robbie when he hasn't probably been called Robbie for, you know. Yeah, but isn't it great to have a name? Like, unfortunately yeah. for you, you'll yeah, only no. ever be Brent. Yeah, or Popey. Or Popey, but that's your second name. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm Robert, but somehow managed to have four or five different variations of it. Because I always felt that. I always felt that I wouldn't talk to people after a few years that just called me Pope. You know, Popey because they didn't know my first name. It was always Popey Pope. In fact, my father didn't know his name until he was about 10 years old because his father always just called him Popey. So he didn't know, he had to go to his father and say, what, what is my name actually? And it was Mick, you know, or Michael, but it was always Popey. You know, so I was always Popey, and people would say to you, oh, sorry, what, what's your first name? And they never took it, Brent. But if somebody called me Pope, I saw that as being rude. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's a different... But the Popey, you wouldn't see yeah, as no, rude. Yeah, no, Rob or Robbie and stuff like that is... But if somebody said, hey, Carney, it's yeah. a different thing. You yeah, know, it's, it's the tone it, as well, isn't yeah, it's it? it's the tone. It's, it's the tone as well. But so, so that would rescue. And, and getting on, I, you know, I don't want to, to, to go to areas, you know, you've talked so eloquently and sentimentally about your, your brother before, but... Um, are you a religious person? Um, I, I was pretty religious uh, growing up. Catholic? Catholic, yeah. And then I was particularly uh, religious in secondary school. I'd go to Mass a lot of mornings, which wasn't compulsory to do yeah. at the time. Um, and then I suppose yeah, I like started getting into my 20s and, and yeah. drifted away no, from no, it for no, for no particular reason. Um, so I'm probably not as religious as I was, say, 15, 20 years but you ago. But you regard yourself as a spiritual type of person, you know. Right? Yeah, I mean, well, that was the next, the next part of, of my answer. Well, yeah. I've probably become less religious, probably become a little bit more spiritual on the back of that. Yeah. No, it's lovely. I think I said it to George. I, I, I met a, a person there at one stage, and they, I, I explained to them that I probably strayed from the faith in a sense that like you, I, I grew up sort of, a, you know, an altar boy and taking offerings up at church. Dad was a lay person in the church, a, you know, person that was 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 high enough up to, to give out the offertory on a Sunday. But then I kind of, I'm not saying I lost my faith, but I kind of, I, I, I moved away from, from going to the church every, every Sunday. But then a guy said a lovely thing that a priest had said. He said, but your contract is with God, not with the church. And I thought that was a really wonderful way of looking at it, that my contractor was God. So when I talk to God or something like that, it's not necessarily with the church or what goes around that. But what do you think happens when we die then? I suppose that you have this idealistic image mm -hmm. of vision that you get to meet all the people that have gone before you and died before you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that's something that sits well with me. It's an idea that I like. Yeah. So I don't think I need to, and I certainly don't try and pursue it or look any further into the no. possibilities of what might happen. No. That's just uh, the idealistic picture I have in my head. Yeah, but that's a, it it's works a beautiful for me. picture. And, you know, I think. 
I think it's a it's a nice way to well, live, live your life. Exactly. Most people have that picture, you know. I mean, most people have that picture as they, you know, you you, you collect everybody you've known close to you, and you, you get to see them again. And I even talked to George. George was quite emotional because he said it's when he gets to meet his mother, and he gets, when he gets to tell his mother what a bad son he was, you know. So there was a certain amount of sentimentality and a bit of regret. I suppose moving away from that. Um, Sum up your life in, in five words, to date. In five words? Well, five or less, or... I think I've been lucky. Mm. I've been ambitious, hard-working. ambitious, hard-working. Um, That's fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I've certainly not been spoiled. Mm. But I've been afforded some really good opportunities. Mm. That's a lot of words. It's not one. No, but um, sporting or otherwise. I mean, you know, in your life, I suppose. You know, like when you say you've been afforded opportunities, is that due to your upbringing or the opportunities you had there? Is it due to luck on the on the rugby field or whatever? Because you've got to make your own luck on the rugby field. To yeah, you, of course you do, and that's that's why I've put in the you know the elements of of having to work hard and been ambitious mm. to go and try and tr strive for something. Uh, but I, I, I'm definitely a big believer that you need some luck along the way and you need things to, to mm. fall your way. And I love, a lot of people will always say, well, you make your own luck. Um, you know, I, I'm not fully convinced on that. I think, mm. you know, there's times in people's lives when they're just afforded a little bit more luck than the next person. Mm. How do you feel about being labelled sort of like when I said you were coming in today, we had the, a lot of the women come, oh, Rob Carney's coming in. I mean... How's that sat with you during your life? Do you like do you like being considered handsome or good looking or something or sort of male model? Uh, do you like that or does it just water off a duck's back or you know? Nah, it's, it's water off a duck's back. Of course, I always think, you know, not that we live in a superficial world, but I, I think if if I didn't play rugby for my country for 15 mm. years. You know, you're just another normal bloke walking down the street. You know, no, I, I think the, that, the fact <laughs> of what I've done has maybe had yeah, put you into the spotlight. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but you're not conscious of it. Like you know, you know, you, you know, you, you always struck me as somebody that was, you know, amazingly modest and 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 humble about your abilities. It was just that when you went out. You know, you'd often think, oh my God, you know, Rob Carney's like he's gorgeous and, and this sort of stuff must be nice too, you know, like. I, I think that's just genuinely the, the, the world that we live in. And I always viewed that as, well, it's not baggage, but it's what came with being a professional yeah. sports player. Yeah, and of it's course, just you're happily married now and everything. Yeah. And, you know, so that, uh, you know, you're out of, out of, circula <laughs> out of circulation. Okay, more so on, on, to, on to the rugby now. I'm not going to go back over your career or, or, or memories and that. What I want to talk to you about is, is something that was very... Was something that really struck a chord with me as well. I, I came over to Ireland when we won the... When I played for Otago for about 12 or 13 years and the year I decided to come to Ireland was the year we won the national championship. And I left, I left after the very last game, so I didn't get to celebrate... Um, that victory, and they, they, they were years winning it again. They've only won it twice in all the years of the Highlanders and everything like that. But I always regret not spending a few more days. I had to get over here because I had to qualify to play for the first game for St Mary's. You know, that's another story. But I was just kind of saddened in a way that, you know, somebody that played 95 games, you could have well had over 100 if you hadn't had that injury for, for, for that year. So that 
you know, you didn't get the send-off that maybe you would have liked or maybe that you would have deserved. I mean, I just picture Brian would just go walking around. I know he had a kid at that stage or something like that and looking up to the crowd, all his friends and family there. And just, it was a lovely moment of the end of someone's sporting career. Yours wasn't like that. You, you kind of retired in COVID and then you kind of, the next thing was, I'm off to Australia. So is there a feeling of, it's not a feeling of hurt, it's not a feeling of missing out on something, but you must look back and say that would have been nice to yeah. finish your game on a win in the Aviva and, you know, get that send off. So yeah, no, you're dead right. It, it, it would have been nice, it would have been amazing, mm. you know, and I think Brian was very lucky that he got the fairy tale ending yeah, he and he got the very tale. much the pinnacle of what finishing up yeah. looks like. Well, Nogara didn't, did he? He you was the, the other end of the yeah. spectrum. So, yeah. you know, of course you, you would have liked it, but it is just for one moment. Mm. And, you know, when I, when I was dealing with all of this at the time and going out to an empty stadium, I very much had to change my mindset and appreciate all the last moments over the yeah. previous 16 years mm. as opposed to just f focusing on the closing moments and how it finished up and you know you, you, you've of course got to have a huge amount of awareness at the time as well as to the struggles that other people are going on mm. with and here's you know me no, I, because I didn't get complain or get upset about it, but why should I get a full send-off no. in a full stadium when, when people are going well, through a hell of a lot worse than... Peter Stringer, 90-odd 90, 90 caps, Mallow Kelly back, you know, there are a lot of players stuck on, you know, caps in their 90s. I, I just thought that, you know, you've been around for so long in a good way that, that you know, that you all want to go out like Brian did, you know, having won a match, having had a good season, saying, OK, I'm going out on the top of my career as opposed to say Roney, as it was the other one, was having to bench it and, and, and not get the send off. But I just wonder how it affect you. So then, OK, decision was to play another season, uh, obviously not with Leinster. How did that come about, the, the, even the kind of offer to go and play? Yeah, it, it came Western. about very late. I obviously had an agent who was looking around over the world at, at different teams. I, I was 35 at this mm. stage, so you know, I wanted to play for another year, but I didn't need to. And if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it in a really nice place with a good club. You know, there yeah. was there was uh, certainly some other offers around Great yeah. Britain and Ireland, no, which no, it wasn't. This was didn't, different. Didn't really appeal to me. But at the time, you know, to go over to Perth, the western coast yeah. of Australia, it was covered free at the time. Um, Ireland was completely shut down and it just seemed like a, like the perfect opportunity and was it all you expected it to be or more or less no it was it was all i expected and more um, and yeah. an incredible time i was only there for six months but it felt like an awful lot longer it yeah. really opened my eyes to how good some people have living in the world and mm. You know, Ireland's great, and I love it here, and it's always home, but it's home because of your family and friends, mm -hmm. I think. And, you know, I sometimes feel that in Ireland we're just existing a little bit, mm. and you go to some of these where, where, where they're living. they're living. And how did the Australians take to you? Uh, now, how did you find their personality? Yeah, personality? Do you know what? I, I but they're a wee bit standoffish, to, 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 you know, yeah, sometimes I actually found that the Western Australians quite different yeah. to the east side yeah. uh, you know they're, they're a lot more chilled out they certainly you know 
work to live yeah. and not live to work. And, I, and that's not that's not a that's absolutely not a, a, a criticism. It, it's just that I've I've known a lot of players that have gone over from Ireland or whatever, you know, or the UK or something to Australia. And have just taken a, a little bit of time to bed in, you know, to sort of to their style of play and also their style of. I mean, they're very they're very ambitious. They're a fantastic sporting countries, you know, being out there in Perth. I mean, they're out on sailboards or out sailing. They've got so many other things the sporting options they have, but they're pretty they're pretty gun ho about sport. You know, everybody plays sport in Australia, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they love it. And no, I, I must say I, I was ex accepted very quickly by them, but you're right, they're so, everything revolves around sport. And, you know, even when it getting into politics time and they're selecting their candidates, first question a lot of the time is what are you going to spend on sport? Before any other policies, mm. housing, yada yada, sport, you know, so they are, they are a country who, you know, are obsessed with sport and so many different types of it as well. Rugby-wise, they're struggling a bit, uh, you know, against the rugby league or something out there, isn't it? I mean, they, you know, they've struggled to have that, that, they have a decent national side every, every World Cup, but I mean, domestically, provincially, they're struggling a bit. Yeah, it's only when you go out there and you actually realise how far down the pecking order rugby union actually is. Um, you know, they've got their Australian rules, their cricket, yeah. their rugby league, their soccer. Yeah. These are all sports that, that, yeah. that are ahead of, of rugby union. And, you know, very difficult position for them in when they're not getting a huge amount of grassroots kids coming through who dream of playing for the Wallabies. You know, most of the kids growing up want to play AFL or rugby league. And, and you know, that's a, a difficult position for them to be in. And could you see yourself going back? to Australia again, you'd probably go back for a visit, you would have made friends there, but can you see yourself going back and spending a bit of time there? Yeah, you, you know, we both really enjoyed it. Um, the lifestyle, like I say, was incredible. But I think, you know, back to my first point, Ireland is yeah. home. Yeah, it'll always be home for you. you yeah, know. but you know, very close family. And, mm. you know, I've got nieces and nephews coming along now. My mum and dad are still quite young, so, you know, you, you just want to make sure no. that you're enhancing all of your time with them. Um, and, and that's a, a personal decision that people no, make that's at the you, end. That's you, that sums up you, you know, like you're, you're, a fam you're a family guy. And, you know, I mean, you know, I've often spoke about regrets, I suppose. You know, there's, there's, everything, everything is tarnished. When you make decisions to come and live somewhere else, there's always regrets with it, Rob. And the regrets for me is that I probably didn't see the last 20, 25 years of my parents' lives. When I left New Zealand, they were the same age, more or less, as I am now. In fact, I'm a bit older than they were. So I didn't see, I didn't see my father's life, especially because he passed away a couple of years ago. I didn't see his life for the last 25 years. Albeit that we'd make contact on the phone, I'd go back every year or so, and that's so. But you know, I, I couldn't get an idea of their day-to-day -day life because I wasn't out there. Nor could they get an idea of mine, and that's a huge regret you know, looking back now, and it's a huge regret that I, I, I couldn't have spent more time out there. But look, you make your choices, and, and, and my choice was to come over here. Moving on now, I suppose, to, to it's, the, it's the, often the prickly question, because I don't, I don't expect you to name someone, but you've been coached by a lot of uh, coaches along the way who have gone on to do greater things. Some of them have gone on to do lesser things. But over all those coaching periods, who was your favourite coach that you worked with? Not necessarily on, you know, the first person obviously to talk about would be Joe Schmidt because he had so much success with Leinster when you were there and with Ireland when you were there. But maybe 
he wasn't your favourite coach. You know, there's just somebody that always sticks to mind. You say, oh, I love working with that guy. He may not have even had the results. May have been someone at school. May have been someone at at, at, at Leinster, you know, age group or whatever. But yeah, again, back to the luck. I'm very lucky to mm. work with some unbelievable coaches. Uh, you know, lots of them have been nominated for World Coaches of, of the Year and have won those awards. Mm. I had a really good coach at school, Adam Lewis, he was an Australian guy, yeah. and he sort of mentored me quite a lot and introduced me, you know, to a little bit the professionalism yeah. of rugby and what's expected you, of you. background as well, didn't Yeah, you? so he, I found him really good. Michael Checker was someone who didn't, didn't necessarily get on with. We didn't have a wonderful yeah, but relationship, but I, I definitely think that, you know, he added a huge amount yeah. of mental resilience to me by the way that he treated, by the way that he treated me a lot yeah. through the years. So while we never had a really great re relationship, I learned a lot from him. But I think he was the f he was the first of that type of coach, and I talk about that type of coach the same as me was you know somebody like Laurie Mains or Alex Wiley or something who was quite kind of you know I mean aggressive in their approach to rugby. Like you make a mistake under Chris Wiley or Michael Checker, they they let you know about it. But I think there was something refreshing when he came into to Irish rugby, especially into Lancer rugby, because he it was another it was another sort of rung to coaching that possibly a lot of people didn't hadn't experienced before. That's yeah, and it, and it was something that was, that was definitely needed in Leinster at yeah. that time. You know, you front up and you don't make mistakes at training, and if you do, boy, you know, I'm going to tell you about it. I think there's something kind of admirable about yeah, that. Yeah, and, that, and that's brilliant about the sporting world as well, as you can get away with an awful lot more for calling people out then and there, yeah. and you know, and ensuring that you don't have this cancel culture, but a culture where everyone wants to get better, and if I say give out to you, well, you know I'm only doing it for the yeah, betterment yeah, yeah. of the team and the better for yeah, the but you. that wasn't always the way with, with Irish rugby, I found. It was always, it was always trying to be, because when I first came over here, you, you couldn't criticise, you know, the way players trained. You, you just, you ran the gauntlet of somebody coming back and saying, well, how dare you come over here and, and, and criticise us? Aren't we doing the best we can? If you went to them and said, hey, maybe we train an extra night during the week, or maybe we get our fitness level. I remember actually a story when I came out and I first started training, I was a lap ahead of the other players at club level. And I remember being pulled in by one of the senior members and said, hey, don't be coming over to Ireland with your New Zealand ways and showing us up. And I thought, don't you just want to get better? I'm only here to help. Yeah, only here to help. Yeah, so okay, I think that's okay. So Michael Chick came in, then, then after Michael Chick, there was. And then was after him was Joe, and Joe was the coach yeah. that I probably spent the longest time yeah. with. Uh, I think he improved me the most as yeah. a player. As a player. And, you know, there's a lot of times he, he backed Hands me on. and he picked me when, you know, other coaches might, might not have. And he was the coach that I got the most amount of success mm. from. And, you know, so if, if I had to pick one, it would be him. Yeah for that reason, that he, he, he stuck with you and he, he brought the best out of you. Yeah, yeah. You know, Gatti, I suppose you weren't under him long enough. No, I only tours, had him for, for two Lions tours. The first yeah. tour he took the forward, so obviously I had not a huge amount of, of impact with him on that. And then the second tour, you know, I wasn't in the starting team. There was 45 players, so it was, it was probably a little bit more standoffish yeah. then that I never really got to, too many to build too much of a relationship. Well, you can't build a relationship with anyone with 45 players, can you? It a no, like no, it does make it very difficult. What was the greatest game you ever played, in your opinion? Your greatest game? Um, Put them in that Lions match? Or? I, th I think probably the, the, that Lions second yeah. test. You know, I, yeah. I, th th there's definitely games where 
technically I would have been a lot better. But yeah. at that moment yeah. in time, you know, I was 23 years of age. This was by far the biggest game of my yeah. life. Yeah. And to be able to stand up and produce a big performance well, on man, that stage. Well, performance on that stage in South Africa when you'd come in what, for Lee Byrne or whatever, something like that, you know, so that was a phenomenal film. I yeah, was just watching. so the, the, that's the one that probably sticks out most of my head. I didn't realise you played such a good game. I was only watching that game a, a while ago. I just, for some reason, I came in and I just wanted to see those players. And I thought, God. Rob had a great game, you know, you did have a great game. Ireland really, I don't know what your thoughts are on it because you've sort of ridden the crest of wave. I've seen Ireland get better and better and better and better and better over the years. In fact, I did an exercise just to myself there a, a couple of weeks ago where I picked, if you take out, the, if you take out the, the 23 and make it 15, I picked four sides that I reckon could compete in the, in the Six Nations in positions, meaning if you took the subs out of the first team and put them down, you put guys like Keane Healy or something, he's not starting, you put him into a second team. You know, there's so many options positions. We talk about loose forwards, you know, Will Connors, Reese Ruddock, Jack O'Donoghue, Coombs, Timberley. Like, you know, I mean, Irish rugby's in a pretty good place now, strength and depth um, from now to the World Cup. Um, how important is it, I suppose, that they do something next week, or is it that important against France, uh, you know, is, do you see this as the, I see this as the Grand Slam winning game, actually. Yeah, no, I, th yeah. I think you're right, that's, that's a fair assessment to make. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a big game for Ireland mm. because, okay, now there's a huge amount of expectation back on them. We've seen what they have done against New Zealand in November, and then they've picked right off where they left off in that Wales game. So I, th I think there's an expectation that they're going to play to those heights again. Mm. And, you know, the, it's the first time for a lot of these guys that have played in Paris in a full house. Yeah. They've not played a huge amount of rugby away it's from home. It's a tough home. place to go. Right? It's, it's the toughest of all of them. Yeah. Uh, it's the toughest place to go. This French team are very good. Mm. You know, they've been bubbling away very nicely. They've got some great youth, but experienced youth. Mm. You know, best player in the world, number nine. It's going to be a fascinating game, and I think it'll it'll really give us it'll give us a really good marker of of where this Irish team is at. Do you think just going back to the expectation? I have a theory on this, and and it kind of annoys me over the years, and not in the, not in the bad way because I've always been so pro Irish rugby, and I used to get slapped on the hand every time I was on TV saying, "Look, you know somebody's got to win this match. Why not Ireland? You know, because an exercise you probably did in your early days, which I always used to do, is you'd you'd always get your program out the night before a match, and you'd be looking over it in your room." And you go through and, 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 and pick out, okay, would that guy make the Irish team? Would he make the French team? And when I did that exercise last week for Wales, not meaning disrespect for Wales, I couldn't see any Welsh player that would make the present Irish setup, you know, based on the way they're playing. I mean, you might have had Dan Bigger in the, in, the, in, the, in the reserves or, you know, but I couldn't see him replacing Johnny Sexton. You can't probably do the same exercise with France. It's probably going to be a 50-50 split. But why is it? that Irish teams have always said, oh, you know, don't make us favourites, because it's not what you believe in the dressing room. It's not what, it's not what Johnny Sexton or, 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 or Farrell are saying to the players. They're absolutely saying, Johnny Sexton's absolutely saying, look, guys, we can, win a, we can win a Six Nations, we can win a Grand Slam if things go right for us. But out there, from the other pundits' point of view, is don't put this expectation on. You know, don't, don't, don't make Ireland favourites. It's like the last World Cup. If you make them favourites, something's going to go wrong. You know, but that's not the mentality of the team. No, of course not. I think it's something in, 
inherently we've yeah. had as Irish people that we like being so, yeah. we like being the underdogs. And you know, like you say, that that's in our DNA as Irish. I, I can tell you from the inside and been in those teams, yeah, yeah. you know, we don't like being underdogs, don't like being favourites. It doesn't matter. We just expect yeah. to win on any given week. Yeah. So the, the the narrative between the public, the media, everything that's yeah. on the outside is very different to what's no, on well, the inside. No, I keep inside. saying that to people. People say to me, oh, I don't think they believe they can win. I said, absolutely they believe they can win. And for the last five, six years in particular, they've gone out and matched and said, okay, all this, all this monkeys are off so many backs, beating the All Blacks, beating France away. Uh, you know, the only thing that remains kind of a wee bit sort of under the radar, I suppose, is World Cup performances every four years, which they need to go to at least a semi-final or a final next year to really... I suppose, you know, yes, to, to, to put a stamp on, on the development of Irish rugby over the last number of years. But, I mean, I certainly started out believing this season that, you know, um, England, look, um, has proven last week, a reasonably callow side, although they'll get better, as we know, by the time Ireland go to play them and, and, and Twickenham. And over so many years, Ireland, you know, denied... England a Grand Slam over here, so they'll be wanting to do the same. So they're out of that now. Scotland, yeah, banana skin potentially over it, but they've got Ireland over them at home. Italy, you know, I'd say they put up a good performance last week, but they'll run into trouble. So it really comes down to those two matches, away matches, France and England away. So I believe that if they can beat France and Paris, not easy, as you say, but I think they have the tools to do it, I think they have momentum to do it, I think the confidence to do it, then I really think that a Grand Slam is on. I, you know, yeah, have well, to say, you know, you've done the hardest job. Yeah, of course. This has been somewhat billed as, as the Grand Slam mm. decider. You've got the two outstanding teams in the tournament mm. at the moment, uh, France and Ireland. You know, the, the Scottish played well at home, but it was against an average English yeah. team. And, you know, I, I certainly don't think Scotland are at that level with with France and Ireland just yet. We've always questioned their inconsistency over the years. They're great one week and then the following week they just can't back it up. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. Wales are in a battle for the whole tournament, unfortunately, just given where this team yeah, is at at the moment. Too, you know. Injuries, um, you know. So it's a very fair assessment to say that this tournament is between France and Ireland, and with this week then the. France Ireland, you know, it's 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 fair to say that it's a championship slash Grand Slam decider. Why is, you know, you might both answer this better than anybody. Why why is Irish rugby producing so many good players now on on a, on, a, on a world stage? You know, when I first came over here, not being arrogant or ignorant, Keith Wood, you know, would have made an All Black panel. I mean, he was exceptional, but that would have probably been it over the years until you guys come along. Uh, now you'd be picking half a dozen of the Irish players on a World 15 if you're picking it tomorrow. I mean, is it all due to the provinces? Is it, you know, wh why has is, why is Irish rugby gone on this trajectory? Yeah, it's definitely going through a real purple patch yeah. at the moment. I think, you know, the club game, the school systems, there's real energy and focus and time and money put into the grassroots rugby within this country and you know there's certainly seen a huge amount of dividends from that now in saying that we're probably producing more exceptional players than mm. we should be mm. and yeah you know it's it's just a well, given you're playing numbers look look at england the number of players they that number of playing registered players they have many three or four times more than ireland and also look at their provinces you know you back the irish provinces against the english top four you know 
week in, week out. You're right, it's just a, a purple patch. But look, I know your time is valuable. Who's going to win the weekend? Is it going to be Ireland or is it going to be France? Last week, it was France. And <laughs> after watching the French at the weekend and watching the Irish at the weekend, yeah. I'm slowly coming around to, to Ireland. I think it's going to be a huge game for them. They have the skill set. They have a team to beat them. I just, my biggest concern is how they're going to deal with the occasion and 80,000 yeah. French people in the Stade de France, which with a lot of these players will not have experienced mm. in the years gone by. Um, and it'll be it's a cauldron, isn't it? It is a cauldron. It's, it's the toughest place to win yeah. in, in, in the Six Nations. And, um, yeah, so given that you'd be like me, given that if Ireland win, then you know, a, grand, a, grand slam, a grand slam is on, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a fair assumption to make. We haven't seen enough from England, Scotland or Italy yet to think that they're going to be the one to derail Ireland. Now, they very well might end up slipping up in one of those games, but you would have to think that the winner of the game this weekend is very much on their way to winning the championship. There's something psychologically, because Ireland have another Six Nations next year before the World Cup. It's probably a good time to to win the Grand Slam now, as opposed maybe to next year, if they were to win it next year, and go in with this again, we talked about the going with this favourites tag of being the number one team in the world or the number one team in Europe, you know. Yeah, well, you know, you, you can argue for and against these things. That's exactly what happened to us in 2001, the 2018 Grand Slam. Didn't play particularly well 2019, Six mm. Nations. Uh, and then that was probably the, the start of the downfall of, of that team. So. You know, you, we can keep coming back on this mid-World Cup cycle, but as long as you've got a team there who are constantly getting better and trying to improve, as opposed to just staying stagnant and happy at a level they're at, mm. you know, the, the future is very bright for this team. Just ending up, I know it's, it's at a word in retirement, what would you like your kind of legacy in Irish rugby to be? That you were, you know, how would you like people to see you, your rugby career? Not that it matters what other people no, think, but you know, it you want to start sense. off by you know being a good team player. Mm. I think it's it's the whole basis of what rugby is and the values of it. That mm. someone who always put the team ahead of himself, and then next on that, you want to be seen as a winner. Mm. Um, you know, you, you play the game to win trophies, to win medals. That's what you do. So you know, if I had to pick two things, they would be them. Oh, Robbie Carney, it's been a delight talking. <laughs> Brenty Poppy. <laughs> delight talking to you. I say, I think you'll be remembered for a lot more than that. I think you'll be remembered for all the things you talked about, your loyalty or whatever to, to Irish rugby and the fact that you stuck around and you always gave your best and you're a good team man. I mean, we even go back to, we don't talk about now, we go back to, you know, you've often been credited with bringing the Munster and Leinster guys together and that that discussion that you had that we've all know about or whatever whatever happened but I mean I think you've always been known as a as a as a, a team player and you've also been a really humble and approachable guy so I thank you for that and I thank you for taking the time out to, to do this interview and good luck with the rest of your career I know you've um, talked about buying the my local bar down in Black and Rock put a and turn that around. Beside you for you, yeah. So that's your future now in the hostelry trade, and you're doing a bit of punditry for Virgin, and you're enjoying that, no doubt. And yeah, so kept well busy, which is which yeah. is great. You know, of course, you miss the the big games like this weekend sometimes, but you know. And you're bringing out a, a, a some sort of facial product, skincare range, skin yeah. Range. Oh God, I'll what are you going to call it? it? Uh, it's with Jess, is Pulpy. it? No, it's called. Uh, it's called POCO, P-O-K-O. Oh, yeah. When's that yeah. coming in? 
it is out already at the moment, oh, so I'll good. get you a few bits is and pieces. Is it on means as well? Yes, yeah. Oh, well, you know, wasn't going to ask get you. Get you looking we, fresh. I wasn't going to ask you if you moisturised, but you, but you Can't do. Can't you tell? Can't you tell, you know, always looking suspiciously tan. But anyway, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Brent. Good luck. Good to chat.